Hey, hey, hey. Yo, yo, yo. It's Jeff, and I'm holding the mic with two hands. That means I mean it. You've seen people on stage. Here I am. It's time for This Week in Mormons. I'm Jeff Openshaw. And I'm Kurt Frankum. There he is, folks. Kurt Frankum of Leading Saints. This will be an episode to remember, folks. Yeah, you're oh. gonna want to. You're gonna want to tune in. Stay, stay until the end. Stay until the end. <laughs> and, and we're not. Yeah, this there's a big reveal at the end, folks. Right? Yes. This and is like a we're, we're not going to cut to commercial right before. We're gonna just get into it, but we got to hit the news first. We don't want to Do be ever distracted cut? by these announcements. Do we ever cut to commercial? No, but maybe we will. I don't know. You got a in big the, sponsor it, coming down the pipe, Jeff. In, so. the, in the 13 years of this show, I have never been. It's the lack of advertising has mostly been. I just don't have like. It's like I don't have time to chase down these people. I don't have right. this. You know, I mean, speaking of advertisers on podcasts, one of my favorite podcasts is The Art of Manliness. Are you familiar with this podcast? Very popular, right? And um, um, why can't I think of his name? McKay. Uh, last Coppins. name McKay. Stupid no. McKay Coppins. <laughs> And McKay the, Cop, the, the host you. of uh, Brett Brett McKay, that's his name. Um, he is a Latter Day Saint, and but yeah. he does all these commercials for these this underwear brand. I forget what it is, and I'm thinking, and you're thinking you don't even wear this stuff, man. <laughs> like, does your audience know you probably don't wear this underwear? But you know, and he wants to you know be true to the sponsor and whatnot. I don't know, maybe maybe he wears it during workouts or whatever. But I'm, it's it's, it's inter- interesting. So I mean, it is true. The best thing, one of the best things about having some kind of brand is the free stuff oh yeah whether it's books whether it's whether you are getting free samples of things because you're get gonna a free mattress books. i mean there's so many <laughs> did you get a free mattress i have not gotten a free mattress i have not we gotta get we gotta get you to that level man. i am in touch with uh i've had a guy approach me about uh about uh you know sponsoring leading saints but we're you know we're we're not doing ads we do our own ads well you're non-profit so, so it's different yeah. You should switch it back after all the work you did to make it a nonprofit. You should switch it back to a for-profit entity. <laughs> well, you can still take advertisement as a. I mean, think of NPR; they're hacking all sorts of stuff. That's true. So, so how does it work on the back end for people who don't know, like the way the nonprofit thing is? You can take ads, you can do all this and that. So, what's the difference when the rubber hits the I road? I mean, the, and there's probably going to be some nonprofit attorneys listening. Like, oh boy, I better call Kurt. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 simplest way to say it is. Nonprofit just means you're taxed differently. So you can act and function just like any other business with revenue and bonuses. I get a salary. Uh, I mean, you have to disclose some things at a certain point and whatnot, but um, no, I mean, it's a, you're just, you've just proven to the IRS that you are giving a good or a service that probably would not have been given so that you can take in donations that are tax exempt. And that's that. So at oh, the end of the wow. day, it's just another business. This- just like the church is a nonprofit and they make some money. So yeah. just continue that thread and say it. Say what you're going to say. The church, at the end of the day, is just a... Nonprofit? Just a business. Just a business, Kurt. That's what oh, you're true. leaning on. Well, you're yeah, and, and they're the, the restored kingdom of God on the earth, but, you know, it's all right. But, but, we, need, but we need a business vehicle to get there, you know? We, hey, it's the world we live in, my friend. We, I have to wonder at times... I'm fine. Like whatever the church is, it's like I don't, I don't lose sleep over it. But I have to wonder if Joseph Smith saw how the church is today. I'm sure he's overall be happy, but I wonder if he'd be like, "Whoa, this got corporate real fast." This is uh. Well, it's interesting. Like the even with Brigham Young, right? The guy after him, I think Brigham Young like pulled a significant salary from the church, right? That 
where after, when John Taylor was putting, he's like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. I, you can give me a stipend or whatever, but I don't need to become a Did millionaire. He, right. he was also the governor of the Utah territory. Right. That's what yeah. we need to get back to. Go away, Spencer Cox. President Nelson should be the governor of Utah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so sweet? Oh, like, what is this? What do you think? Okay. What if he just ran for office? I mean, he wouldn't even have to That's campaign. What I'm yeah. That's what you're, you're a native Utah. You know, you know what's going on there. If for some ridiculous reason, like, let's say it's President Nelson because it has to be the person at the top. If President Nelson, 98-year-old President Nelson, like says, I'm also running for governor, do you think Utahns would just be like, this is awesome and I am all in? Or do you think a sizable portion of members of even our faith would be like, ah, let's try to keep these two separate because we already know there's kind of a blurry line between uh, Church (laughs) HQ and the Hill. Right. Oh, there'd be a, some type of revolt just in Salt Lake City of, you know, former Latter-day Saints or, you know, the more uh, anti-religious type. Um, I don't know if that's the best wording to use. Maybe we but, can be like someone lower on. Let, let's make, let's have it be like an Uchtdorf or... Like uh, there's always just a member of the Quorum of the Twelve that's gone. assigned. Like, all right, you're going to be the political guy. And so we need to run for governor. And <laughs> some, uh, Someone in the Twelve always runs for governor. Cook, you might you, not You win. go for that Senate seat. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> Now, I wonder how much of a conflict that would be with the nonprofit stuff. I mean, that's, those are federal laws, but you oh, know, the yeah. church doesn't support candidates because that's because we can't. We can support issues, but mm-hmm. candidates. I don't know if that applies at the state level, yeah, uh, the rules surrounding that. But and um, I remember um, when I was, I was at a coordinating council meeting when I served in a state presidency, and there was like this letter that came down saying, we encourage you to run for local political office. Like they were sort of trying to push people that way. And they said, if if you do run... We will, we're happy to release you from your calling so that you can do so. And there, there were some, you know, dad jokes about, well, maybe I should run for dog catcher and then I could get released. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. I told my bishop last week, we're, we need a choir director in our ward. And I was like, you could just release me, man. I'd be happy to be choir director. Oof. I'd be happy to do both. I think I could swing it. I could handle still being choir director. I'm the closest one to the the podium for that. I'm the, as the second counselor. All I have to do is pivot around, literally just roll out of my chair to the left and do a 180, and I'm right there to conduct. I'm there's should be so yeah, easy. If, if you were called as choir director, BYU TV should send out a crew and, and create a like a TLC style like uh, series about called the choir director, and it's like Jeff like taking this calling as serious as anybody would take it. Is it only because like just for choir director, the fact that I would concurrently be in the bishop? No, 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 no just choir for choir director. director. Yeah. Where you're I mean, like, I, they didn't do it before when I was choir director. I've been a choir director. Oh well. Do, do you think I I'm can just see like shots there? of you in people's homes, like you know, passively, aggressively, guilt tripping <laughs> them into coming to choir practice? I just mean, get it's, it. yeah, getting all intense and uh, <laughs> these are just ideas. No, no, it would be all commitment pattern. I'd be like, what prevents you from choosing to join the choir? <laughs> do you feel you like it's important that you can sing? I would love it. I, directing choir is fun, though, man. I mean, I would. That's there are a few things as fulfilling as creating beautiful choral music with a group of people. It's a wonder. It's just wonderful. It's so fun to be up there and do stuff like that. I love it. Hey, so Jeff, it's a uh, general conference week. How do you feel about that? Uh, not bad. <laughs> not bad. Any uh, any predictions you want to get out of your system here? Um, well, as far as like what's going down in conference, yeah, any announcements, okay, I saw something, I saw something on Twitter that I'm assuming is satirical, but I can't tell based on the account, whether it's just like 
satire or someone who's crazy who's has good sources that they might actually call older men back on missions. Ooh, I don't think okay. it's true. It's most that, and every every, sounds... resp- every response was like, "I've had that nightmare. I've had that nightmare," and <laughs> I have too. I didn't know how prevalent that was. I have had very vivid dreams where all of a sudden I got a call, like as me in my current state, "Hey, you need to go back and serve another mission in Barcelona," and I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" And I remember these vivid dreams of like, I like go in the MTC. I'm like, this is weird. I've done this part already. Like, why am I here? And even though it's 20 years ago, um, have you ever had nightmares of being in Sacramento? I mean, people have nightmares about being in Sacramento all the time, but like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to, I wonder what psychologists say about this phenomenon because everybody has these dreams, right? I believe we all have post-traumatic stress disorder. (laughs) Is this some like red flag of like, actually, that means you need to maybe go see somebody. That'd be great. It might be. Yeah. It might be. So So I, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, with President Nelson, like who knows? He's so much stuff's been tweaked. Yeah. Like what else would be, you know, uh, short of something like saying we are going to change policy and let young girls also prepare and pass the sacrament because there's no doctrinal thing against it. We're going to do that. Yeah. It would have to be something big like that. I think we've exhausted a lot of the other, even major structural things we could tweak at this point. Right. I think one of the biggest tales is like when a visiting authority comes to a state conference. Like, do you remember the last time you had a visiting authority and what some of the general themes were? It's been a while. If you mean full at the general authority level, not like the area. Even in area 70. Ah, what's the, because we had one recently. We had an Area 70, but I can't remember. And what it seemed it was. like there was a lot of emphasis on come back to church, right? I, th- yeah. I don't think yeah, they're satisfied that. with, um, you know, the. It, and just this week, our state canceled, stopped doing Zoom. I was sort of hoping, I feel like we were one of the holdouts, but does yours, will stake still do it or reward? No, we stopped. Officially, it's there. But only if somebody is sick yeah, or yeah. can't be there, they can ask us. It's a weird thing because, like, basically, you have to know to ask the bishopric, "Hey, can you turn the Zoom feed on so I can watch at home because I'm ill?" Mm-hmm. But we don't announce this to the people because we don't want them to abuse it. Yeah. So, so cameras are still there capturing. They're it there, for- but we haven't. I haven't done it in months and months. We haven't touched it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll there'll definitely be a handful of talks about this sort of, you know, reengagement uh, message of let's let's get back to where we were or let's you know. I don't know if you're privy to this, but is your average attendance percentage down compared to pre-COVID? Well, uh, you're you're in a new place. Yeah, we're so not a good example because we're our ward's about to be split, and there's lots of buildings, so there's just it's a state conference every week in our ward. So, oh, <laughs> I'm moving out there, man. I'm going to move to Erda. That's right. Be my neighbor, Jeff. Live the dream. Oh, I would hate that so much. <laughs> Jeff, we're we're recording. You're, Maybe you're I wouldn't. Maybe I'd move to Utah and be totally happy about it. Be like, this is great. Look at this. Look at the wonders of Utah. I don't know. I'd probably, I'd have to live in Park City. That's what I'd have to do. Mm. Yeah. Nice place. It is a nice place. Um. So uh, anyway, uh, my other predictions, temple predictions, folks, oh, yeah. um, those should be live by the time you're basically hearing this. They're wrapped up. We just haven't hit the publish button, but I'll give you a preview into some of those. I mean, I mean, the, the big thing here, okay, I think President Nelson, and by the way, we're not doing a separate temple predictions podcast this go around. So this is, this is what you get. Okay. Um, <laughs> so 
Last time around, we know we noted that if President Nelson would announce 17 temples, he will have he would have announced an even 100 during his time as president of the church. How many did he announce? 17. It could have been 16. Could have been 18. No, no, no. 17 exactly. I think the man appreciates a good milestone. And the other one we're coming up on right now is we are 18 temples shy of 300 total temples in the church, whether in operation, mm-hmm. announced, under construction, whatever. Um, and given recent history, the past three conferences where he's jumped up the number a lot, you know, it was 20 in April, 2021, 13 in October, 17, the last conference, 18 seems like a reasonable number to announce and get us to a nice, even 300, because think about the PR, think about how the temple department will seize on this and the church news. The church now has 300 temples announced in operation. I mean, when we started following this kind of stuff, we were in like the mid 100s because literally president Nelson has announced 100 of the temples. That's a, that's that's enormous. So that's my big big thing. So in our announcements, we are in, we have eighteen temples on the list. That's what we're going for. Shooting for a hundred percent. Not going to hit it, but that's okay. Um, and, and like you know, they could go anywhere, right? right? Like like at this day and age, like I think some of the good demography and stuff still still works. But at the same time. You just don't know. He'll he'll announce yeah. temples in random places like Elko, Nevada, and Cody, Wyoming, and you're like, okay, sure, great times. Yeah. Interesting to to see the numbers of what a temple does for a certain area. I heard from third, fourth party, whatever, that um, when a temple is built in an area, the fast offering fast offering surge in that area, probably. And so it makes me wonder, like, if they can put a temple somewhere, knowing through their you know calculations that. This temple will pretty much pay for itself, and it's going to be a blessing. And it's going to make It'll it more pay for, for itself. Yes. No, <laughs> we don't use fast offerings for temples. How would well, that know, make a difference? No, I know, I know, but I'm, but there's probably other other numbers that surge as well, like tithing. You'd think tithing would surge because it's like I'm going to have a temple. I need to. I, I would like to attend it, and so I'm going to start paying my tithing. Right. Yeah. In many ways, yeah, a temple can be a boon for activity. I mean, the one I've talked about here on the podcast of numerous times was President McKay's decision to build a temple in New Zealand. Right. Like nowadays we hear that and we think, yeah, man, New Zealand, there's a lot of members there. It's a pretty fertile ground for the church. But when they built the temple there, it wasn't like it was a big thing. President McKay sort of announced it, realizing that building a temple way out there in New Zealand, one great location, like far away, could serve a lot of people in a broad area, but there would actually be uh, something around which the saints could rally and uh, and increase their faith and increase their activity. And it kind of served that purpose. Like we often think of temples as a reactive bit of construction based on the status of the church in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And I think that does for the most part hold true, but I think there's times when Revelation has said, no, we're going to build one somewhere here where there aren't like tons of members, but it's going to help them with their faith and their activity. And I, and I see that happening, of course, a lot more uh, under this new paradigm with President Nelson, because like literally, like, like where are they going to go? So I mean, I'll give you guys a teaser. You know, there's yeah, some we we, or, we organized them this year. Of course, um, we decided to go geographic just to organize them by kind of b- broader areas. So we're gonna we're thinking one in South Dakota, maybe Colorado Springs. I think Charlotte's overdue. Um, Corey firmly believes one's going to go up in Lehigh, even though the one in Saratoga Springs is almost done. But I think the argument there is when the Saratoga Springs Temple was announced. That area had people and members, but in the intervening years, it's it's still boomed a ton. And so it's like you already need another temple, kind of between that and Mount Timpanogos. Uh, no, another temple in Brazil, Argentina, Dominican Republic, maybe Venezuela. 
I hit on some European stuff. I think I'm calling for a temple in Albania, my friend. Wow. I, I g- genuinely don't know if it would be this conference, maybe in a year, but it could happen. How about Mongolia? Is that on your list? Yeah, I can't quit it, man. Can't quit it. I think that's like the dark horse. Like, It's not even never... a dark horse. It's high atop. The, it's, now it's okay. at the point of like, well, okay, all right, come all right. on, guys. Like, what's You know this deal? stuff better than I do, Jeff. So. Yeah, but... It's it's the one that's been hanging there for many years, and it's kind of surprising it hasn't happened yet. And maybe it will. Yeah, Mongolia, um, Uganda's a big one too. Uganda has the most members without a temple in the entire church. So that's not always a dead giveaway. It was that way for Nicaragua for a long time, and they didn't just get the temple immediately. It took a while, but that is happening. So uh, maybe for them. Another one and, uh, you know, some other ones. Philippines, of course, gets some love. So, folks, keep an eye out for that. You know, we're going to publish that up, let you have a good little read. We tried to keep some of the explanations tighter this time so you can get right through it and share with your loved ones. Tell them everything you want to know. This is a great time, though, um, unless you have any other conference predictions yourself, Kurt. I don't know. I'm going to guess a lot of uh, FSY talk. Um and then re-engagement oh, in the yeah. church. So, well, this yeah. is a good time to pivot yeah. into. Uh, I've got some other temples, t- a couple other temple things. So, the church announced the uh, location and size of the Teton River Idaho Temple. This was the temple originally announced as Rexburg, Idaho, North. Uh, we we predicted it like good boys in our temple predictions, noting that we knew the church had bought some land up by the Walmart up there off Highway Twenty. Uh, and sure enough, they're going to build a temple there. What we did not expect was how freaking huge it's going to be uh, when they announced this. Because the Rexburg Temple is, I don't know, 60-ish thousand square feet. Totally normal for a temple built in the mid-aughts, you know? And that's kind of commonplace nowadays in general. But the church announced it's going to be about 130,000 square feet. And so depending on how that shakes out with the Provo Temple, uh, first of all, the Provo Temple is going to be rebuilt. We don't know how big that one will be. And what the final, the Provo Temple is 130,825 square feet right now is my point. So this one's going to be approximately 130,000 square feet. You know, if you can tack on 900 square feet more, it's bigger than Provo. If not, it's slightly smaller. Either way, that puts it, that'll make it either the sixth or seventh largest temple in the entire church. We haven't built a temple anywhere. We haven't built a temple over that size at all. um, I think since like Mount Tiffanogos. Or maybe the rebuilt Ogden Temple might be the, the main example. That's a bit of a different case, but that is like a fully new temple for all intents and purposes. That one's 112,000. Nice. So that's, uh, I mean, that's some rarefied company. You're talking, it's up there with Provo, St. George, Jordan River, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Salt Lake. Like that's a big, big temple in an era when we don't build them as big because we build more of them for fewer saints. And because we don't include things like laundry, cafeterias, you know, all the extra stuff that we don't need in the buildings anymore either, that also lets us reduce the square footage. So it's, I'm just intrigued what the heck's going to be inside this thing. Rexburg has a lot of members, to be sure, but overwhelmingly the members are from student wards and married student wards attending BYU-Idaho. When you take those out of the equation, there's like five stakes, like for just regular families in the area. So this is still like a humongous temple for those people. I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. Right. And I don't know if there, if there was a regret maybe with the original Rexburg temple that, oh man, we should, I, cause I've heard it was, it's been very busy, very difficult for students to get in and, and do a session or baptism. Yeah, or I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's very busy. Yeah. I have no so doubt. Maybe they're just like, 
we're definitely going to make sure we don't make that mistake again. We're going to go big and uh, we'll probably grow into it, you know? Or, yeah, there it is. We're going to grow into it. Because it's like, <laughs> I mean, like I think we said in the article, like unless the church has like plans for some kind of like full-blown residential development, I mean, the church likes to build little thing, you know, some development, like your, your uh, Tuella temple originally was closer to where you currently live, right? And they wanted to build <laughs> that mixed use thing and the people got all mad about it. How dare you? How dare right. you build homes one acre <laughs> apart from one another, you monsters. For the record, I was not a resident of the county at that point. Yeah. Just, <laughs> so maybe they're going to build a city. Uh, once someone commented on our post and said there's been r- mumblings about a new missionary training center being built there, and it would also allow BYU-Idaho students to be employees of it to help with the employment pool for that. That could obviously be a, a case. Which is interesting, if you're, if you're, but uh, is the pro-MTC? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of, a lot of room there now. It that, seems so too. I mean, sending people to Mexico and the UK and whatnot. And that's what's curious about like the comparison, because if it's about the same size as Provo is right now, Provo is in a much bigger city in general, just the whole area compared to Rexburg, of course. BYU Provo has far, way more students than BYU Idaho to also use the temple. And you also have the Missionary Training Center and all the missionaries who get to go there. You have all these massive pools that fill up a temple that is the same size as one they are building off a highway with n- farmland around it in Idaho. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. They haven't released a rendering of it yet or anything. So we don't know. It'll be fun. Now, speaking of temple groundbreakings or larger temples, uh, that it was announced that the Heber Valley, Utah temple, as far as the, the groundbreaking and the location for that temple. And this one is also going to be a big one. Is that right, Jeff? What was yes. the number? Do you have it off the top of your head? 80 something thousand square feet. Oh, There's yeah. like 88,000 square feet, right? Which, Three which surprised me. it surprised me a little bit because it's not as densely populated out there. Yeah. But they've been needing one for a while. And I mean, it seems like everybody who uh, has sold a company is moving to Midway. So I know, right? <laughs> that sums it up, right? It used to be Alpine for right. people who sell a company now. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. Th- what I've noticed here is uh, in Utah, there seems to be two general floor plans of temple that they're putting up with basically all the new temple announcements. There's the tall, longer ones that kind of often have spires at the front and the back, not always. And those are like 88,000 square feet. And there's square ones that are more about 70,000, like Orem and Taylorsville that follow they seem there seem to be two different floor plans at play because like if you look Mm -hmm. at how much how big they are like Layton, syracuse now hebrew valley and i think linden are all kind of in that eighty-eight thousand club and then the other ones are 70 so we're working with two floor plans the only temple not to break seventy thousand square feet of all the new ones in utah is the one in ephraim and that was like the accidental temple so so october 8th Right after general conference, Elder Kevin R. Duncan's going to preside over the groundbreaking there in Heber. Oh, I so love him. Look, look out for uh, gold shovels; they're happening. I would. I saw, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Down with symbolic groundbreakings. <laughs> Give me a real, legitimate groundbreak. So I actually interviewed a emeritus general authority uh, for leading saints, and I went to his home, and he had three gold shovels in his office of different groundbreakings he'd been at. So, come on, Jeff. We need the... That's good. We should serve in the church so that we can get trinkets and memorabilia. <laughs> well, I'm not glad. entirely what I meant, Jeff, but... <laughs> it's it's I mean, bully, bully for him, I guess. <laughs> hey, I did mention some uh, 
MT, we talked about MTCs a little bit when we were talking about the temple in uh, Idaho a few minutes ago. Church is closing one of its MTCs because the, the only MTCs, of course, are not like Mexico City, Brazil, and Provo. There's a handful of them around the world, right. some of which have closed in recent years, and uh, one of which was Spain, where I spent my MTC days, sadly no longer in operation. You never had and, the Provo MTC experience? I, no, I did both. We were about oh, okay. half and half. It was supposed oh, cool. to be th- it was like supposed to be three weeks in Provo, six in Spain. We had visa issues, so it was literally about half and half. Huh. Which is fun. It was a cool way to kind of get adjusted to the country you're going to be serving in while still having the safety net of the MTC. Was it a newer around. MTC when you were there? Or? Yeah, they built it uh, to coincide with the temple. It's oh, on. Okay. They've got kind of their own little mini temple square in Madrid with the temple, a big plaza. There's a stake center. And then there's a tall building that has like the mission, has the MTC, had the MTC on the top three floors. Um, temple apartments, if you're traveling to attend the temple institute, like a family history center, a lot of the classic things. It was like a seven story building next to it. So, so it was just one building. So, do you think that's just an administrative building now, or what do they use it for? I don't know what they're using the top three floors for anymore. I have no idea. I mean, there was other stuff in there, but it was just that. It was yeah. a fun place to. It was great. It was a cool way to get used to being in the country, yeah. and the rules were awesome because the MTC president. <laughs> was like, as long as you are within the three floors of the MTC and you and your companion know where you are, you don't have to be like t- at the hip. So I could tell my companion, like, I'm just going to go up to the top floor and like get a snack before bed. All right. And you didn't have to like walk around everywhere with your cop, it, which was nice. That's why they but shut we also down, ha- Jeff. But we also had to be the cleaners. So like it was on us to like clean the bathrooms and oh, like yeah. take care of it and stuff. Yeah. But, they, they Service hours, right? Like, I guess. I think you're ah. just saving on janitorial services here. What? They always are. But now we're closing the MTC in Columbia, folks. Um, five, other, five other MTCs have been discontinued in 2019 and 2020. So this will leave the church with nine missionary training centers worldwide next year. So after the closure, here's the ones that are still going to be in operation. Sao Paulo, Brazil, the England Missionary Training Center in Preston, England, which is right by the temple there. The Ghana Missionary Training Center, Mexico City, New Zealand, or in Auckland. The Peru Missionary Training Center in Lima. The Philippines MTC in Manila. The South African one and Provo. So in 2019, the, since then, the church has closed in Madrid, Spain, Santiago, Chile, Buenos Aires, Argentina, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And uh, Guatemala City, Guatemala. It makes and me wonder, thirst- like, I think now it's pretty common if you're called as a S- Spanish-speaking missionary, at least internationally, you go to Mexico City, right? Um, but is I don't that normal? No, the- like, if, is that straight up like, hey, you're going to sp- serve anywhere in like Latin or Central America and now you just go to Mexico City? Is that the uh, that's, I, I don't. That's been my experience with just knowing, like my nephew is headed or is in Mexico City and he's uh, going to Panama. So... And I imagine, I wonder if back when the Guatemala City one was active, did Mexico City cover Mexico and Guatemala covered like Central America? Right. Yeah. So it makes Guatemala? me wonder how many of these MTCs like take in like, you know, foreign missionaries yeah. to serve out. Anyways. It's, and so looking at it now, because it does seem like we had, they seem much more regional when before we had more in the same area. Because so you have Peru and Colombia close-ish together. Peru is still open. And I think that's the only one open now after the closure of Colombia and Chile in a Spanish-speaking South American country. And they also closed the one in Buenos Aires. So it's almost like Lima is like church central for Spanish-speaking South America. Sao Paulo is church central for Portuguese-speaking South America. Mexico City is the central location for Mexico and Central America. I'm seeing a theme here. And then like in Africa, you've got South Africa and Ghana, which are far enough away to be kind of regional hubs. 
And then New Zealand kind of stands on its own. Sure, New Zealand's out there. And then England is the only one in Europe now. Uh, and I guess that serves, but that's only like people who go to the UK. I mean, if you're going right. elsewhere in Europe, you're not like doing a little layover in random, like up in the Midlands for no reason. You're, you know, you just go from Provo. Yeah. Wherever else. I don't know. So they, they say the MTCs are large enough, according to the church, like these big ones can handle the people. So why do we have these small ones for no good reason? I guess. Oh, where are we going next, Jeff? There's so many options. Of- Wherever you want, Kurt. <laughs> you are the man. Um, what about best snacks at conference, Jeff? Because you- <laughs> I guess they're opening concessions at the conference. <laughs> what, is the, what is this article? It does, I think they changed it, Jeff. It says best snacks for general conference now. You see that? Oh, did they actually change it? Let me see it. Let me see it. I mean, the URL still says at. Yeah, because they're not going to. Yeah, thank you. There you go. It's just a simple preposition. <laughs> your plea, Jeff. Freaking Hannah or your editor. <laughs> Hannah yeah, Syriac. So oh that, that is not one of the announcements. They're not opening concessions at General Conference. But Words matter, people. Words matter. <laughs> <laughs> but we do love our, our uh, snacks during General Conference. Do you have a go-to um, type of food? or? Beverage? I think... Well, Orange rolls are the only thing we seem to uh, to stick with. You gonna post your recipe, Jeff? No. Oh, okay. All right. No. I mean, otherwise, this is fine. Some popcorn, some vegetables and hummus, some green jello, a family friendly charcuterie board. <laughs> now, vegetables and hummus made the list. I I don't. I cannot. I I can't name a family whose defaults to vegetables and hummus. Uh, for general conference, but hey, I don't default to it. I like to eat some vegetables and hummus. Yeah, sure, like yeah. sure, but but it doesn't scream general conference to me. Usually, it's uh, we we ignore the word of wisdom and and uh, lose years of our life for what we eat at general. Oh, at, look at them! Add a little conference. olive oil, lemon juice, and a sprinkle of sesame seeds to prepackaged hummus to spruce it up a bit. Mm-hmm. You can do that. I just want to, if you have standard hummus, folks. It's made with, it's got chickpeas primarily, but the other ingredients are lemon juice, olive oil, and tahini, which is a sesame seed paste. So you're just putting in the same ingredients that are already there. But you do you, if you think it looks fancy. (laughs) You knock yourself out. I mostly, yeah, this article is less fun now. I just like the original headline. It's like, seriously? Like, at? Just like, what should you bring in with you while you're sitting in the upper tier? How about Sunbeam Cupcakes, Jeff? This was, I don't, that's if not, you, if you can't make cupcakes from scratch, buy some already frosted cupcakes from the store that are frosted with vanilla frosting. Get yellow food coloring, coloring and a black cookie icing bag from the baking aisle. Remove, Remove the frosting, the from, the frosting the from the cupcakes and color, and color it yellow. <laughs> then fill so up a sandwich bag halfway and cut the tip off to make a makeshift piping bag. Make little sun shapes on the cupcakes and draw a smiley face using the black cookie icing bag. Now, for me, with a, you know, for both of us, I guess, with our age group of children, uh, this would be a fun activity, Jeff. I may do it. Just make the cupcakes. <laughs> Just, what what a hassle is this? Hey. Buy some cupcakes with frosting. Buy extra frosting. Scrape the existing frosting <laughs> off and refrost them. Like that's just fantastically wasteful. Just baking cupcakes, folks. Not super hard. The batter's pretty straightforward. You put them in a tin, you got a stew, baby. It's fine. Just make your cupcakes. <laughs> you got a the stew, of, baby. 
it does sound fun. I'm not knocking that at all. I just this, the approach just cracks me up. If you have, don't have enough time, waste a bunch of time going to the store and buying extra ingredients, and then taking the time to clean off the cupcakes, and then you may commence. You could literally almost just make the cupcakes in the time all of that would take. Is Ants on a Log also a conference classic for that anyone? That was more 1980s. I don't know where yeah, that, yeah. That's died out. All right, I'm only going to do the family-friendly charcuterie board and orange rolls and what the heck, funeral hash browns, something I just invented. Was that on the list? No, I just I just invented it right now. I oh, made it up. Ooh. I've got the spirit of conference within me, man. I'm coming up with all kinds you of good gotta food. got to share that recipe, Jeff. I don't know why there's no name drop for like swig or so delicious. Like, isn't that... <laughs> What you should do at a conference is get a dirty yeah, Dr. Pepper. Dirty sodas. Yep. That's what you need to have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, let's see here. Let's talk about the bizarreness of The Guardian, the <laughs> British newspaper, which is like a normal, like a real newspaper. Okay. It's not like a tabloid. But the, the headline, for Mormons, a perfect lawn is a godly act, but the drought is catching up with them. Heavily subsidized water made the desert bloom, but the tradition is now driving Utah dry. Yeah, it is such a deep tradition. I mean, if I could count how many sacrament talks we've had on green grass, man, I would uh, not have any money. So, I, so, so for the most part, I think this article is ridiculous. I mean, I at least in yeah. I don't think it's ridiculous in pointing out that Utah. Not speaking yeah, we of do like have an sure, issue a crisis, church, if you will. Utah is, an, is, is the second driest state in the country after Nevada. And then at the same time, Utah actually uses more municipal water than any state in the country except for Idaho. And those two are incompatible. Okay. Right. Yes. Utah, and we've talked about that. Utah has water issues and environmental issues. And you need to take them more seriously. That's fine. Um, but bridging this into saying that like there's church doctrine because of, you know, making the desert blossom as a rose means like. <laughs> I don't think any, I, I haven't even thought of that reference ever, you know, so. I mean, it's fair. Like they've got pictures of BYU. I love it. Just you know, just watering the lawns at at BYU's campus, making things very beautiful all over the place. Uh, meeting houses have beautiful lawns. Of course, it says right here, mowing one of the ward houses in the master plan community of Daybreak, Utah. Daybreak. Yeah, if you want to take issue, just talk about Daybreak. Don't talk about how we work the green lawns. The historic neighborhood of the avenues in Salt Lake City. I mean, yeah, there are lots of lawns, but I think this is just like a general, this is like American West issue. And like you said, I've never seen anybody talk about like you should have a well manicured lawn and look good. At the same time, do you hear many talks from people actually saying, "Hey, we are we have a a covenantal responsibility to be good stewards of the earth, and we should take this these issues more seriously." Because I I will say. Well, I don't see anything proactive, like from the church saying, you know, keep your place tidy. I do see kind of a some scoffing within mm-hmm. Utah culture mm-hmm. at the notion of like, hey, we need to try a little harder and right. and really rethink what we are doing. Um, I've definitely seen people like making fun of that notion, like, how dare you? There's plenty of water. Why would you like people literally say, guys, like the Great Salt Lake is lower. Like you can't keep taking water for crops and all municipal resources and they go like we don't take water from the lake it's like no duh you're taking water <laughs> before it gets you're taking the, the water before it gets there to support everything else so right. that part of it's true and i wouldn't mind seeing that i think culturally it would be smart for us not to kind of dismiss those who might speak out about that environmentalism is a, there's kind of a divine mandate behind it i mean i know that we were given the earth to like 
use for our well-being and to advance society and the church, but uh, it's not going to care for itself if we don't do it. You know, this is not the Garden of Eden, people. It doesn't just happen on its own. That's right. Got to do the work. What do you think about this as a Utah and Kurt? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't, I don't think about it a lot just because I don't think, um, I would say maybe the local, uh, politicians and whatnot are not, or whoever, whatever groups, you know, discuss these topics. I don't think they're communicating this very well as far as the, the issue it is. I mean, I've heard of a few, um, I've seen a few articles or uh, listened to a few podcasts around it, but, uh, when I do that, it seems like, wow, this is a bigger deal than maybe that's, you know, that's getting down to the the average citizen of Utah here. Um, but it, um, it's hard because at the end of the day, it's about like money and no one wants to say we have to do things that could potentially slow down yeah. the economy. It like, seems that, like we just default rail. to just water your lawns less, but I, it seems like it's going to take a lot more than just that. So I, uh, yeah, who knows? And you could argue the church has has let out in some ways, some areas when it comes to saying, hey, we're not going to water the lawns. We're going to try to be good stewards here and play ball. But I think, I don't know, I'm not in Utah, but I'm assuming if you were to drive around the Salt Lake Valley or Utah County and drive, just drive past the multitude of meeting houses that there mm-hmm. are all around. Yeah, they're all green. Mm-hmm. I think they're all green, I yep. would assume. Mm-hmm. And the church could make a humongous difference if it said, it's a drought, I know we we care about presentation, but we're not saying we're going to like let the place be an overgrown brown mess. We're just going to re landscape. And the church has done this. Like they've talked about yeah. have some pilot like meeting houses that are more environmentally friendly and use solar and use natural landscaping. But why are we treating that like a pilot thing at this right. stage? Just uh, just just do it. Do what's yeah. appropriate for where you are. I do believe just the nature of this. It's sort of a slower moving crisis. Um, that it will, that we'll figure it out. I think, I think we'll be fine, but yeah. Yeah. Utah, you guys are known for taking really strong collective action to fix your environmental <laughs> problems in the state. It's like, Hey guys, there's a lot of smog. That's okay. Let kind of cut, dig up some more stuff. That's okay. It's okay. We need the resources. We need the reason. I love the, um, there's an old 30 rock episode when they did like themed episodes for earth week or something like that. <laughs> They're like, and Jack Donaghy, who's a bit of a spoof on like, you know, cl- old school business Republican types. I don't know how much 30 Rock you've watched in your day, Kurt. I, I, not much. But anyway, they just say he says something like, like, he's not the type. He's like, we absolutely need to save the earth. And they're like, what? He's like, yes, save the earth so we can strip it of its natural resources. <laughs> that is the. Yes. yes anyway. Ah, uh, whatever. So, right. uh,. This one was just of interest, just just pure interest to me. Sometimes we have little mentions, right? Uh, the the church, Temple Square, Temple. There's a, there's an official Temple Square Facebook page. They just kind of shared a cool image here. I didn't know they did this, but every six to twelve months, that's a big swing right there. That's literally every either once or twice the twice the time. But every six to twelve months, the big chandelier in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. If you've been in the lobby there. Right, big old beautiful chandelier. You get some nice Phantom of the Opera vibes seeing this thing swinging down. Uh, they lower it to the ground and do maintenance and repairs. There's, they don't say much more, but they but they individuals wipe down each of the crystals by hand. It takes yeah, many days impressive. to wipe down the crystals. They hold the chandelier steady as it's clean, replace worn out pieces, and assist with the project. All cool stuff. It's not like earth shattering news, but I literally had no idea that this chandelier was ever lowered to the ground. I've yeah. been in the building a number of times. Makes sense. Kind of, I, I guess I wouldn't expect was every six months, right? Is that what you said? 
they said every six to 12 months. So okay. it's really like depending on need, like, well, boys, we need it twice this year. And then the next year it's like, we're good. Just hang out till next year. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's a beautiful chandelier. If you've never been there in person, you know, it's a big, gorgeous, grand kind of turn of the century chandelier. Yeah. The Joseph Smith Memorial Building was the Hotel Utah in its original incarnation. Uh, and it was definitely, I don't know the exact, what are the exact dates of it? When uh, was it constructed? When it was built? Yeah. I would say 1905. It does seem like it's kind of, uh, okay. Let's look. <laughs> Was that just a nice arbitrary number you threw up yes. there? That, I would guess. say you're pretty close. It was built in from 1909 to 1911. Yeah, oh, nice. so it kind around that time. Yeah, yeah. So they they the church took a hotel and gave it a big lobby, and there's a meeting house in there. There's of course the Legacy Theater, all kinds of fun stuff. But I believe if um, you can probably find it on YouTube somewhere or on BYU TV, but they have a whole documentary about that. Uh, Making Hotel the, Utah and the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. If you're feeling old and in the mood for a documentary, it's not bad. Not bad. It's it's pretty cool. The church bought it up. I think it's a fascinating building. Like the, there's the Family History Center on the ground mm-hmm. floor. There's um, all like uh, like wards meet in there. Like yeah, the, the East of, Wing has some of those cool yeah. like the chapel in there. It's pretty neat. You yeah. know, it's got and some interesting bishop space. offices, stake offices in there. Yeah, I don't know what's on every floor though. Like I know where some of the main attractions are, but it seems like the building's hiding other stuff. And I don't know if it is just for like yeah. random. Well, I think like other... family search. Like there's some church. Uh, yeah, departments there, just... and then you can rent some floors for weddings and whatnot. So I've been yeah. I've been to receptions up there on the top. Mm-hmm. It's a That's good view life, of man. the the pit of the Salt Lake Temple. At time, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, the roof, which is currently closed, that's, I went to a senior ball, took my date to the roof, Jeff. Did you marry her? Yeah. And it was delicious food. Is that that your wife now? Uh, No. No, I think she's in prison, but (laughs) you know, it's fine. (laughs) I kid, I kid. It's it's a joke. I kid, I kid, it's a joke. Hey, Jeff, what... What has the church actually said about keeping the Sabbath day holy? This is an article in LDS Living, um, which I appreciate because it seems like, Jeff, just generally speaking, there's certain doctrines and practices we have in the church that maybe we just need to have like a summit for each one, just come together and say, let's look at this doctrine or practice more closely in the context of 2022 or beyond. A because, constitutional convention, if you will. Yes. Yes. yes Let us have one. doctrinal convention. And I would just love to hear, or maybe a few conference talks of just saying like, an apostle gets up there and says, okay, folks, word of wisdom. We get it. It was a much more clear in the 1980s. And now we got all these green teas and these bars and these, uh, you know, energy drinks and these things. Like, let's just regroup and let, let's outline a little more specifically what it means to keep the word of wisdom in 2022. Now, at mm-hmm. the same time, my leadership bells go off like, no, 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 no. Let's uh, create a little more autonomy, let people approach the gospel how they want, or, you know, we don't need to force people in boxes. But at the same time, there's a lot of confusion around whether it's the Sabbath day, whether it's word of wisdom, whether it's garments of what are we doing here? Like everybody has their own perspective. Maybe that's just fine how it is. What do you think, Jeff? Am I off my rocker here? No, I think I'm with you so far. So this article, I think, does that in a in a pretty good way, you know, just talking about, you know, you shouldn't make lists for for the Sabbath day. But, you know, I think we all have some, you know, personal list of of uh, 
things we, we do and don't do on Sunday that we generally try to avoid. Right. So for me personally, we're, you know, I don't go to stores or restaurants or things. I just kind of keep it low key or, um, maybe every once in a while I'll stop at that gas station when I'm literally running out of gas. You stupid um, sinner. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, uh, that type of thing. But, uh, I don't know, Jeff, like, and, and making the Sabbath day a symbol, right? I think that's been visited many times as the church has gone back to this doctrine mo- most recently, that it should be a symbol to God, that you're making this day different than others, and you're looking to connect with him, and, you know, well, that makes I like it the quote. I like the quote from President Nelson. You know, he says, like, you know, we don't need a list of do's and don'ts, right? When I when I had to make a decision whether or not to attend an activity, or whether an activity was appropriate for the Sabbath, I simply asked myself, what sign do I want to give God? And that question made my choices about the Sabbath day crystal clear. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a list, but I, I, I do think it's easy for anyone to read stuff like this and say, cool, man, it's open season. I mean, I, yeah, don't have a list, but at the same time, I think some things we still, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we still try to like, I think it's pretty clear, like yeah, avoid shopping on the Sabbath yeah. if you can. Like, because it's all about making it a separate day. Right. You know, it's all about making it that separate day of rest focused on God, going back to biblical times. That was the whole point, right? There was the the Jehovah didn't even put manna out on the Sabbath for the Israelites. Mm-hmm. They had to collect enough the day before for the Sabbath, right? And so those are those are symbolic things to help guide us. It's different in our day and age. Like I'm with you. Stuff happens sometimes. Like, am I right. sweating it if I'm like we're traveling on Sunday and I need to buy food at where no, not right, really. Right. But if it's like, if I'm seeing family a couple hours away and we have to drive home, am I saying like, yeah, we'll just stop and get some food on the way? No, not usually because I can manage that. And I can say like, no, I'll just like grab some sandwiches and we'll be fine. We'll eat to the house. Like it'll be fine. Don't need to. I have noticed I've been more aware of like when I'm ordering something off Amazon, you know, two day shipping and it's Friday. And I think, oh, wait, if I order that today, um, I, I don't need some Amazon driver running around on the Sabbath just to get me my, you know whatever for yeah. trinket from uh from amazon and so you know i may adjust the delivery day those but anyway so it's just being more aware i think of yeah yeah it's just we've all got to figure yeah. things out mm-hmm. for ourselves i mean and even likewise like you know do you do shopping on sunday because we it's easy not to go out perhaps and do shopping but then what about you're scrolling on your phone like right? what's the spirit of it that's for you to decide like if I'm not going to get in the weeds because someone will say like, look, if I hit that button on Amazon on a Sunday evening to order something, it's not like immediately someone stands up and, and goes and like fulfills my order. And it's I'm probably like, a robot that does that but. or something. Right, exactly. You know, there's a process, but I think it's just more about the spirit of it and what you're, yeah. what you're trying to do. I remember, and again, this is everyone's choice to make. I was in like a state conference when I lived in the UK and I think Elder Uchtdorf came by. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I don't, I don't remember any of his remarks, but I do remember for some reason he pulled out a credit card. And he just said, I don't need this on Sunday. And that's all he said. And I was like, well, of course you don't. You're staying with like the stake president. You don't have to expend, you don't have to, but no. Um, that always struck me. But again, it's like, it's for all of us to figure out whatever yeah. works. And, and we shouldn't judge people based on what they are or are not doing. Just do what you need to do to draw closer to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're already starting to run long on time. Kurt, what do we mention here? I I would be remiss if I did not discuss one of my favorite articles, the adverbs of Zion. (laughs) You think this is hilarious, but we we joke about- Such a Jeff article. I love it. It's a great article. It's wonderful. It's the greatest thing ever written. Um, It's the simple, the TLDR here, of course. If you ever look in the hymn book, 
you will see, of course, direction to the person conducting it and the organist just up in the upper left. Typically, it says the tempo. The tempo, of course, is the speed at which something is done in music. And then some kind of adverb describing how it should be done, like solemnly, majestically, gently, resolutely. Um, And so good old Carolyn Homer here broke down basically the entire hymn book on tempo and the adverbs assigned to them and just found some totally unnecessary research that I love. There are 39 unique words to describe our 341 hymns. The word cloud shows that fervently is easily the most used, followed by words like joyfully, thoughtfully, exultantly, reverently. Majestically. Yeah. Um, And those make complete sense. But there are some other ones that are funny, like enthusiastically, broadly, meekly. Um, And then she looked at which Words. So she said the hymnal mappings of adverb temples are chaotic throughout for just the set of adverbs used more than five times. So basically, if one's used more than five times, there's a range of beats per minute assigned to those. And that's actually f- interesting to see because you see this, this chart go up in tempo and you see the way the adverbs change from peacefully and solemnly to boldly, joyfully, brightly with faster songs. Um, and then she breaks it down by like average hymnal tent or average hymnal adverb tempo. Um uh, it's just a fun thing to nerd out on and have some good times here. Uh, and then, of course, the most holy tempo is tied between 84 beats per minute and 96 beats per minute because they both appear more than 65 times a piece. And popular hymns with the largest acceptable speed variance. So that means she actually looked at the, the, the spectrum of tempo allowed, as it says, because it'll say between this and this for beats per minute. Uh, I'll have to, I, I want to look into this. So the one that has have the broadest lead kindly light called to serve high on the mountaintop, ye elders of Israel and for the beauty of the earth. That's a pretty good list of five that we all know pretty well. Right. And those apparently have the widest, the widest stretch of possible tempos you are allowed to use if you're following the hymn book clearly. Um, and of course, energetic hymns, plotting hymns to bore your toddlers, like the ones that have the slowest average tempos. A poor wayfaring mad of grief is a good song, but it does kind of, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All seven verses, right? So anyway, um, I'm with everyone else. Folks, energize the worship services. Do what you can. Play the hymn at maximum tempo allowed. Like, get in there. That's how people get all I don't I'm just saying, we gotta you know, you gotta evangelize a little bit more, folks. We gotta be those people. I want to really disrupt the the experience or the tradition and just go with some uh contemporary gospel worship songs. You know, well, why not? I mean, they updated the hymn book to say the, to give bishops great, broader latitude yeah. in what's acceptable in sacrament meeting. So do it. Get some drums. Play some gospel. Have the worship band. Boom. Love it. I'm going to get a. I'm going to start a worship band. See what the bishop thinks. All right, Jeff. What, what do you think? You want to hit another or uh, jump into our announcement? Um, I guess we could do some announcing, right? <laughs> Other stuff's fine. We don't. Elder Suarez went to Kazakhstan, which is cool. Good for him. Yay, Elder Suarez. Yay. So, announcements. Um, yeah, because we're 50 minutes, and let's knock this out. So, uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, we published an episode with Al. And I want to apologize to some of you, because different ones of you heard different episodes. What is that of which I speak? Yes, this is Jeff doing a, just just for like one of the few times, really, in the history of the show, uh, getting a bit mixed up on my files. And so some of you heard an episode, those of you who are like the first adopters, where, of course, Al and I were talking about the show and what we've accomplished. And then we said, hey, we're probably going to put the show on hiatus for a stretch. Hiatus? And, recon- and reconfigure some things. Um, 
And so it was after the fact. And while mostly I stood by them, like, yeah, we're going to retool some stuff. But after the fact, I didn't love the way we kind of like expressed the thoughts of what we were thinking going in the future. And so I made an edit where I cut, I cut some of that out. Any of you who came, like, who, any of you who listen to the show, like, you know, anywhere beyond like after six or seven hours after the initial publication heard the, the shorter version, which has all that stuff cut out and just kind of reminisces and thanks people. And it's great. And we say the future is, is bright and thanks everybody. So I apologize to anyone who was confused last week, like why the sisters published a show, for example, and are like, okay, great. I guess Jeff does not stand by his word. Um, but I do. So the reason why that got a little mixed up is because we were thinking about the future and what we were going to be doing. And Kurt and I have been talking about some things for a while. Uh, and I am pleased to announce that we are essentially joining forces with the Kurt Frankum network of podcasts because you don't have an actual name for it. Kurt, <laughs> yeah, so that's what that's I have right. to call it. That's um, right. Fra- I keep telling him it should be called Francomia. Ooh, all right. It's just I'll put that Frank- on the list. Or call it Go Bias Industries, as in Go Bias a Cup of Coffee. <laughs> That's right, um, Jeff. So what does this mean, folks? This means that This Week in Mormon still exists. It's going to continue on. But it, it means that Kurt, Kurt is now my boss. <laughs> That's right. I am the uh, podcast tycoon uh, that... <laughs> that I always wanted to be. I, I topped out at three podcasts all those years ago. I had three oh, podcasts I going. And I know it. it. I know it. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm excited that that I've through my entity have been able to acquire uh, my this entity <laughs> through my largest bigger, bigger than it is Jeff. Uh, but yeah, to, to acquire this week in Mormons, I think is a phenomenal brand. And I think back, I never would have thought when I stumbled upon this uh, goofy podcast years ago that uh, it would grow in the way it has. And uh, it was a no brainer when you approached me about it. And uh, I thought, yeah, of course, Let, let's keep this going. I'm happy to take the helm and do that. Now that doesn't necessarily mean my voice will be yeah. on the podcast very much, but, uh, oh, and I wanted to be clear. I think, I think, I think you were the first one to ever broach the subject, wondering if I'd ever want to uh-huh. leave it in someone else's hands. But yeah, I mean, we've gone, we've kind of, we've talked about this off and on for like a couple of years, quite yeah. frankly, I think here and there. So I didn't mean to interrupt right. you, but yes, might not be your voice. Yeah. So um, I've talked with the, the, the twin sisters as they're, as they're called. And uh, they have agreed to didn't even continue s- to contribute. You didn't even CC me on the email? I mean, come on, oh, man. Listen, Jeff, um, <clears throat> I don't know how, it's not you, it's me. Or wait, what? <laughs> um, but, and then Jeff, what about you? I mean, do you think you will make appearances? Your voice oh, will yeah, make I'm appearances? S- I'm, I'm still going to be here in the mix. Uh, quite frankly, folks, you might not hear from me as as yeah. regularly as we have. Uh, but of course, I'm happy to still be around and uh, be part of the fun. Um, so yeah, Twin Sisters will still be around. I think there's a good chance some of your other favorite co-hosts might still be brought yeah. in the mix. I think there will be some new voices, Kurt. I imagine you've That's got right. some other people and, as well. And I really want to open that up. If there's somebody in the audience that uh, feels like, you know, maybe you, this sounds fun or you'd want to um, give it a try, like... Uh, Send, send us an email and that's definitely be considered where, and I guess the big thing is uh, maybe just hang with us for a while as we find our footing a little bit. It's, it is going to be maybe a little bit different in the future because I'm not Jeff. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll try different things and see what works and we're open to any ideas, but uh, hang with us as we figure this out. And yeah, there'll be some new voices and, and I hope to continue to move this football down the field. So yeah, it's uh. No, it's going to be good. And so nothing should change listeners as far as you're aware. Like, yeah, we're going to have to right. deal with a bunch of back-end mess to get everything going. But as far right. as like the feed should just remain the yep. same feed, subscribe as you have, episodes will still be coming out, all that fun jazz. Um, 
what I was referencing two weeks ago about how we might change, really, I was referencing a new podcast that I'm working on. And at the time we were debating pivoting Twim entirely into that, but uh, or not. It's going to be its own thing. I think Kurt hopefully might be nice and let me promote it at some point once we've got more to tell about it. But uh, right now it's in we're we're in developmental stages right now and kind of working on some production. Uh, but I'm very excited about it. It's still in the Latter Day Saints space, uh, so mm-hmm. don't worry. It's not going to be pod. It's not going to be what you all fear. Jeff ranting about politics for an hour. No, no. <laughs> Which is almost what the show has become. In the, the inner workings part. of uh, government contract work. No. Oh, that would be the worst podcast in the world. <laughs> like, so if you want to know this, read the FAR section 34.6.7.8, and then you can find... No, no one wants that. No one wants that. It's what I do for a living, but it's not what I do for joy. Um, I'm excited about this because like, I was wrestling a lot with the best way to approach twin stuff. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, like it's like we were getting up you know, by 600. I was... I love the show. I love what we've done with this. I'm proud of everything we've done with the show. And honestly, the discussion was like, okay, either there's a hiatus and we like revamp the show, like we like was kind of said on the show. Um, alternative B was just to flat out end the show. And then our, some of our initial discussions were at the end of episode 600 say, all right, that's it. See you later. Thanks. <laughs> just go for shock and awe, which I felt really bad about. And I have a hard time because I'm sensitive to how much all the, I love all of you and how much you love the show. Um, and Kurt and I had talked about, you know, what we're going to be doing here, right here. And I'm, I'm thankful for this. I have a lot of trust in Kurt and a lot of respect for Kurt. I don't think Twim is going to like shift a ton. There'll be some different voices, but the format's the same idea. I think there will be news. There might still be interviews. A lot of that's going to yeah. be up to Kurt and what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of those same things you've come to know and appreciate will be right there. And if anything, I have every, every belief that Kurt will actually take this and scale it even more than what it's been. And so uh, I think that'll be awesome. It'll be great yeah. to see. It'll yeah, be a little so. weird for me not to be like, like in charge of it in the same way. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. I mean, I have to, I have to I'm hand the over captain all, now. I have to, hand, <laughs> I have to hand over all the keys. Uh, Patreon subscribers, by the way, please like keep doing that. Oh, if please. you see fit, I mean, the please. main I difference promise is we'll make good. it worth whatever you're contributing and people should look at contributing uh, through Patreon because we're going to do some cool stuff. So yeah, patreon.com slash this week in Mormon. So it's going to be good. And I hope that's going to be okay with everybody. So this is not goodbye from me. Uh, it is, you probably won't hear from me next week. I'm guessing. I don't know, unless Kurt wants me around. You're like but, the uh, damn Brokaw who like just comes back and shows up in random segments, you know? You mean Tom Brokaw? <laughs> Thank you. It, it's Tom weird Brokaw. you would say Tom Brokaw because Al said the same thing. Give the Tom Brokaw farewell when we were recording. There you that, go. That's just a strange double. I was talking about his cousin Dan, but yeah, we can talk about Tom. So there is no Dan Brokaw. <laughs> there you have it. I'm a huge Kevin Grisham fan. That's another Thirty Rock reference. You should watch that show. Uh, so I think that covers most of it, Kurt. I don't know. Is there anything I'm uh, I'm missing here? Really? No. Just keep your feet alive, as Kurt said. Might be an off chance a week slips or something yeah. like as he's getting as we're getting everything sorted out. But we've already been working on this and and working through everything with the hope to make it as seamless as possible uh, for any of you. And as far as I know, I can't guarantee this. The show, since you've always asked, I believe the show name might still be staying the same. Kurt, I th- I think so. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, I know it's a, it's a tricky about this, topic, but, but I've talked to several people about it, and I think there's you know, there's sort of that loophole with how Mormon is used and whatnot that I feel like this week in Mormons fits in. And I know maybe for others, they just want to get rid of it all and never yeah. mention it again. But uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we're definitely not trying to push back or be 
this uh you know any any hint of radical uh, approach Look, to all you have to do all you have to do is every six months do a book review or talk to somebody who's from one yeah. of the succession crisis other sects and then it covers the bases so talk to like some kind of a fundamentalist in colorado city talk to uh a rigdonite might exist somewhere get alice cooper on String the show nights. yeah alice cooper the singer raised a rigdonite in the church folks so there you go just cover that and i think you've justified the name that's right. that's right really we're all just hanging out we love president nelson but you know everyone wonders like once he eventually yeah. someday moves on will we kind of continue in this this as we call it this lustration campaign against all things mormon or will the successors not care as much mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. know i don't know it's not mine to care about anymore so but Jeff, uh, as a member of the audience uh I just want to, you know, collectively from the audience, just say thank you for building this uh, this platform and all you've done with it and the fun you've made it and to keep us engaged and creating a voice that's faith promoting, but also looks at, you know, the tough headlines and and discusses them. I think people need needed that example and continue to need that example of how do we even articulate these concepts in a way that uh, promotes faith and and keeps us going. So, thank you. Oh well, thank you, man. Happy to do it. You know, it's uh, it's meant a lot to me doing all this for all these years. It really has. And uh, ever, there's so many times when you think maybe like, okay, I'm kind of burned out on this. Like, do I keep going? And it's always in those moments you get like a random email or a message from a listener who's just like, hey, the show's been useful to me. It's helped me see things from different perspectives. And I know, like, I know, I know it hasn't been perfect all the time. I know that sometimes depending on the guest host, it can be, it could be potentially echo chambery. This is stuff like I'm cognizant of and stuff I wanted yeah. to nip in the bud. And I, I do care about, like I significantly do. Um, Cause that's not good radio or good podcasting. Like it's okay, okay to have different points of view. I think that's great. We're not politicizing the church necessarily. Um, and I respect everyone's right to say what they want to say and feel what they want to feel. Uh, whatever it might be. But I know it's not always like, I, like I recognize that. I like having someone who can needle me and be uh, my antonym in a way. And it hasn't, you can't always have that with everybody and that's fine. Right. But uh, either way, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to have been able to do this for so long and I'm glad I'll still, you know, be, be hopping in. I think Kurt genuinely wants me around as yes. probably as much as I want to be around. So that's great. So yes. I will uh, still pop in, say hi, do whatever. It'll be good. My new podcast won't conflict with this one at all. So we're all good. Everything's going to be awesome. Cool. We'll sign this off, it. Jeff. Well, folks, that's true. If I come back as a, if I come back and do more, I guess I might, I'll be like more like a panelist. I don't get to do the intros. Is this my last intro and outro? Maybe. It may be, Jeff. <laughs> well, as the good reverend would say, nothing. Just seriously, thanks, everybody. It's been a, been a real pleasure. Look forward to talking to you soon. In whatever capacity I am, it's going to be weird if I'm just like, okay. Um, and I think now Richie will feel liberated to have me on as a guest. So congratulations, Richie. <laughs> You'll join forces and take me You'll down. hear me next. I can't. I can't. I am contractually bound to not join forces with Richie. Sorry, Richie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We actually put it in the, in the words. It said, it says, a constitution to thwart the rise of one Richie T. Stedman. No way. We love Richie. We do love Richie. I just wanted to give him that little shout out. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for being here, folks. This has been Twim. We'll be back next week with some news, some conference recap stuff, all kinds of fun things happening. So just keep your feet active and we'll talk to you then. Thank you again so, so much for 13 years of listening to me on the regular. And I still look forward to being with you frequently as we uh, talk about all the great things going on in the church and Latter-day Saint. So thanks, Kurt. 
Thank you, Jeff. This has been This Week in Mormons. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.